Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Best Marvel Comics Podcast. And this episode, we're going to be going way, way back to 1941 to talk the first appearance of Captain America in Captain America Comics number one. But before we do that, let me remind you to go over to our Twitter at WS Marvel Comics. Follow us. We'll follow you back and then go to our Patreon account. Patreon.com slash Weird Science to help us out, support us for these podcasts we have on this regular feed and get plenty more in return. A lot of exclusive shows over there at the Patreon, but we're going to get into this. And like I said, this is Captain America Comics number one and Captain America Comics number one and the story Meet Captain America in particular had a release date, as I already said, December 20th, 1940, a cover date of March of 1941, written by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby, pencils by Jack Kirby, inks by Al Lederman, edited by Joe Simon. And you cannot go into this issue without first talking about the cover. It's one of, if not the most iconic covers in comic book history. It is Captain America punching Hitler square in the face. Saying, smashing through, Captain America came face to face with Hitler. And what do you do? You smash him in the face. And it also says on the bottom, also, Captain America's young ally, Bucky. Now, remember, I said already and just mentioned it again. This book hit the shelves on December 20th, 1940. That is a year away from the United States entering World War II. So this is kind of a bold statement, really. And It's funny because I even saw people arguing about it today as I'm recording this on Twitter saying, look, comics have always been political and they had this. Okay, that's true. And then the person who they were fighting with responded, well, I'm not talking about politics like that because everybody would agree that Cap should punch Hitler in the face. Now, that wasn't the case when this came out. In fact, Joe Simon talked about that there were people gathered outside of the timely offices wanting to beat the crap out of them. And it's not necessarily the idea that they were supporting Hitler or the Nazis. A lot of people didn't want to get involved in World War II. This, again, is a year away from the U.S. getting involved and had to have something so tragic as Pearl Harbor to get people to get behind that. So you have to remember when this came out, not everybody was so much, uh, you know, all right, this is great. Now, the the book sold incredibly. And yeah, a ton of people wanted to see Cap Punch Hitler. I'm not saying that a lot, but there was certain people who thought that this was going over the top and shouldn't be done. You're, You're goading, you know, Hitler and the Nazis, all these things going on just to point out. That, yeah, not everybody was fired up about this. And Joe Simon said that him and Jack Kirby had to have some police protection for a little bit. It died down quickly. But you end up having Hitler in this. And everybody's just drawn to Hitler getting punched in the face. I actually think it's funny where it's Cap going into this bunker. Bunch of Nazis around, obviously swastikas and things like that. But on the, the ground. Under Hitler, Hitler's about to fall down on it, it looks like. There is a very, very basic map of the United States. It looks just like a sketch pad. Hey, Hitler's there. Hey, this is what I think. 
the U.S. looks like. And then right under it, because you would label, you know, things like this as sabotage plans for the USA. But I like how it is basic, but I like how the idea is, yep, Cap better get there because Hitler is going to end up having some sabotage stuff. And even behind them, there is a guy, the guy who doesn't seem to realize that, you know, his boss is getting punched in the face at this moment. This guy is at this giant television screen and probably the idea is like, oh, my God, look at how big that television screen is. Holy moly. He is looking as a U.S. munitions works building just gets blown up. That is in the beginning of the issue as well. Uh, it is cool. And you end up having one of the Nazis that they're firing away. One of them ends up firing from two feet away and hits Cap's shield, which I will mention is the triangle shield in this. It will be replaced very quickly with the round one that we're all familiar with. And this is 10 cents. The comic was Oh. The good old days. And as it all starts out, you have the first page Captain America, case one, meet Captain America. You end up having Captain America and Bucky waving at the reader outside of the Capitol. And then we end up seeing that in USA 1941, as the ruthless warmongers of Europe focus their eyes on a peace loving America, the youth of our country heed the call to arm. For defense, A lot of the youngsters, a lot of the youth of the day and people who are able to go and enlist in the army, they are lining up to get in there, including what one guy appears to be the man with the yellow hat from Curious George, maybe pre-Curious George here. He's in line. One of the people who would have been in line here, and, and it's really subtle in this first origin, is the idea that Steve Rogers has tried to enlist and he was turned down. Because he didn't have the physical and mental acumen that was needed to be part of this man's army. But with that, we see that there are some people that have nefarious reasons of enlisting. It's so that they can infiltrate the army and you get right away two guys who say that they forged the papers. Now they can carry out the Fuhrer's plans. And it almost feels like that progression is okay. I'm enlisted now. The next day, I'm in charge of everything. I can go and blow up a factory. But there you go. You end up having them blow up a American Munitions Incorporated. And it says the resulting wave of sabotage and treason paralyzes the vital defense industries. Now, again, this is a year before we actually enter the war in Europe. So this is all about, you know, trying to keep America safe. Now, in a side note, we were already involved in supplying the Allies with some stuff. We were ending up sending a lot of stuff over there. We just hadn't gotten into the war ourselves because, okay, it's not really a threat to us over here. Let's see how things go and whatnot. So you end up, the Army doesn't know what to do. Two generals go and talk to the president. FDR, Roosevelt is there, Franklin Delano Roosevelt is there, and he hears that the army is in big trouble. They are being infiltrated, and the vermin are so firmly entrenched in our ranks that they don't even want to give orders or important, like nobody can be trusted. Not even the most trusted aide can be trusted at this point. And they say, an army spotted with spies is a useless army. What are we going to do? And you have FDR 
at first seemingly throw shade, almost a joke, like, well, what do you want me to do? Get like a comic book character, the human torch? <laughs> I mean, really? And then says, oh, by the way, I'm just joking there. And I was going to tell you about this plan before, but you know, I didn't. But I'm going to tell you now. And he gets on the intercom, send in Mr. Grover. And Mr. Grover does come in, and it's J. Arthur Grover, pretty much. It is J. Edgar Hoover. It is the head of the FBI. And there is a program the FBI is working on that might be of interest. Might be of interest to the. Now, you would figure that. These high-ranking generals, and they would be involved in this, or at least would have known, but again, everybody's keeping everything close to the vest, I guess, so not even the big generals know that the army is going to be able to get these super soldiers, and to go where they're going, to see what ends up being very coincidental, the test for this that very day. They end up having the generals get in plain clothes, just civilian clothes. They get coats and hats, not not a big yellow hat, but regular hats. And they go off to the seedy part of town where they go into a sinister-looking curio shop. You know, something that probably sells monkey paws and, and probably cursed items. It looks really like that. I mean, any sort of horror comic definitely will have this shop sometime in its run. Well, when they walk in, and this would be familiar to people who have seen the Captain America First Avenger movie. When they walk in, an old lady ends up grabbing a gun out of her desk. And it says, the door slowly opens, and a gnarled bony hand reaches for a waiting automatic. Then recognizing the visitors, replaces the firearm. Now, with that, what happens if she doesn't recognize them? Like, what if my wife... Whether or not we should be in the seedy part of town, my wife would see a curio shop and would go nuts. She would have to go in there. I think she'd be dead. She would get shot just because. And it's just so funny, the idea. And it reminds me of The Simpsons when you ended up having Lisa being a vegetarian. The episode, if you're familiar, when you do end up having the steps to the roof of the Quickie Mart go through the non-alcoholic beer section. That is actually not a non-alcoholic beer section. It's actually stairs. And then when Lisa asks, what if anybody wants a non-alcoholic beer? The answer is nobody has yet. So I wonder if nobody's ever gone into this curio shop. I don't know. I'm, I'm telling you, my wife would love it. She'd be dead. We end up having more tropes and cliches that I really think are funny here. First off, remember, it was a gnarled bony hand. And so when you end up having the reveal that this isn't really an old woman, I'm wondering if, in fact, X-13, the agent, just has gnarled bony hands. I don't know. But they end up, they go through a bunch of maze of rooms. This is, you know, going to continue the spy type things of this, where they go through a maze, boom, boom, and then end up at a big, giant door, a barred, heavy door, where they speak a secret word, and then it's open. It's opened by a professor a doctor and they then okay come in in a smock and stuff and they are going to end up watching this procedure and as they go through they're astounded by how modern technology this is like space age stuff going on when you look at it now it's kind of goofy but that's when also they gasp in startled amazement as the wrinkled old shopkeeper sheds her wizened features to become an astonishingly beautiful young woman And this is Agent X-13, 
And the weird part about this, it always makes me laugh when you have something like this. Well, first off, who's manning the front door? What if somebody else comes in and I can just imagine how much it would take to put on it? I, they play it off as a mask, but it seems like more than that. This is like, you know, Hollywood movie makeup where you're in the chair for at least three, four hours where she just takes it off now for no reason except to show, hey, look, I'm X-13. I'm a beautiful woman. And then I'd like they're like, aren't you supposed to be at the front door? Oh, no. I got to go get that makeup on again. But again, she still has those bony, gnarled hands, I guess. But she takes that off and it's more of the spy stuff. It's cool. And they all end up in an observation room to watch what is going on. Obviously, if you're reading this along with me, this is smoking aloud. One of the guys just lights up right there. They're going to watch this. And then it says a side door opens and a frail young man steps in the laboratory. And you end up having Steve Rogers. Not really mentioned here right off the bat, but this is a frail you know, guy who tried to become part of the Army. He was turned down. And you get this doctor who just has a, a syringe at this point originally and just injects him with a strange seething liquid. And while that is going on, then the doctor says, observe the young man closely today. He volunteered for army service and was refused because of his unfit condition. His chance to serve his country seemed gone. And I like the way, even in the movie, again, I'll, I'll keep going to the movie because most people would have seen that at least. The idea that this does play off of, oh my God, all of today's youth are trying to get into that army, and he couldn't. You do set that up without actually shoving it in your face because of that first scene, seeing all the people come in. But then the doctor says, little does he realize that this shot I gave him is now going to build up his body, rapidly build his body, his brain, his stature, his intelligence are now increasing to an amazing degree and you then see from that perspective you actually see the generals and all the other officials that are watching through that panel like oh my god look he's changing it really worked it really worked and you do see you go back to it again i like this idea you can have and at points you have where the hulk gradually changes up right but with this you just you go away from skinny steve who's rubbing his head and kind of looks like he's got electricity going around him then to go back to see there's bulky, sexy Steve. I mean, there we go. And the doctor yells, it's working. He's growing muscles, millions of cells. And then there you go. You have the buff Steve Rogers, the Captain America, which the doctor is the one who names him. I shall call you Captain America, son, because like you, America shall gain the strength and will to safeguard our shores and it really is pressed in this again we're not at war so it's oh my god this guy's really going to be able to protect us this guy is going to be able to get all the spies and saboteurs this is awesome well we see that he didn't he, he wasn't made quick enough is what i'll say because there's already a spy and or saboteur in their midst one of the guys in the gallery pulls out a gun and it says that one of the army men witnessing the demonstration, not the two we followed, it seems, but another guy is in the pay of Hitler's Gestapo. He yells out, death to the dogs of democracy, shoots through this observation window. I wish that it was thicker, you know, because of what's going on, but it's not, and ends up shooting 
Professor Reinstein. And that's when you get the name. And later on, that name will change. There's a lot of things that will change names and, and little techniques and things like that going on. Um, but you end up where he then also shoots again and he breaks the serum. He breaks the big thing, the vial containing the serum, and it, it is done. It's done. He has killed now the professor who made it and also the actual vial of the stuff. Well, then he turns on everybody else in that observation room. You end up, it, it seems like Mr. Grover ends up getting shot, but X. X-13, she gets her gun out, everybody's firing. But what happens then is he looks out, and you do have a really cool progression where he just looks stunned. He's got his gun. Oh, my God, the look of terror because you end up having Captain America reach in, grab him, pull him out of this observation room, and then as he's pulling him towards him, just levels him, just punches him like he did Hitler on the cover. And ends up not just knocking him out. He sends him flying through the air right into a bunch of electronic laboratory equipment. And he ends up getting electrocuted to the point where he is nothing but ash. It probably stinks to high heaven in there. And there's what's Steve Rogers, Captain America, going to think of that. Well, he says nothing left of him but charred ashes, a fate he well deserved. Like, all right, there you go. He's pretty hard ass there. And it's funny, too, because later on, you'll get the comic code. and You would not be allowed to do this. You would not be allowed to show somebody being electrocuted on the page. So there's that little deal, especially then explain sometimes when you do have these origins changed or when they are retold, some things have to be changed because later there would be a comics code, things like that. But there's Captain America and you have right away a sensation. He is going around. You end up having a ton of newspaper headlines. Captain America, NAB spy. Captain America prevents dam explosion. I mean, the idea, America is about to just go done. I mean, there are so many things going on. You need a Captain America. He's he's preventing dam explosion, nabbing spies. Yeah, Captain America, nation's number one spy buster. And then one of the things is, who is Captain America? And you do end up having a lot of these saboteurs and spy rings. They are, you know, in terror. They don't know who this Captain America is. And if you do go on and read into this original run, the Captain America comics, you do get a hint in this first origin story to never trust anybody who's wearing a monocle. You have right away the one bad guy that you see at this point. You know, shaking his fist at the clouds and ruining the day that Captain America hit the scene. It's a guy in what looks like, in my mind, a pimp outfit with a monocle. But he's got the monocle. The pimp outfit's fine. The monocle spells danger. It does. I mean, as you go on, that is really like the wink-wink. That guy's German. He's got a monocle. He's like Colonel Clink, for crying out loud. You end up where, you know, the word is on the streets and in the underworld that you better watch out. That Captain America's on the scene and he's going to take you down. And it's very quick, though, the idea, oh, my God, he's a sensation. He did it. And then you go where Steve Rogers now is part of the army. And and I like this where they don't really push the deal. But, yeah, this lets Steve have his dream of enlisting and even going around as Steve Rogers where, you know, if you're Captain America, you end up dressing the part there as a regular 
army guy to keep your identity, plus you smoke a pipe. He, he smokes a lot of pipes in this, which is funny because doing this similar sort of podcast over on our DC feed, Bruce Wayne, a very, very big pipe smoker, but he's there, he's at camp, and you are introduced very, very quickly to the camp mascot, Bucky Barnes. He approaches Private Steve Rogers and says, oh my God, did you see this new headline about Captain America? I I think Steve's like, why do you keep coming to me with these headlines? Like, I'm not Captain America, right? And Bucky's like, oh my God, he's so cool. This Captain America, I wish that I could meet him someday. And then Steve goes, maybe you can, Bucky. Maybe you can. And that day is going to be pretty much that day. Because later on, I don't know what's going on. Cap, though, needs to change into his Stars and Stripes outfit. And as he is putting on the mask, he's already got the full suit on. Bucky comes in. To talk to Steve Hey Steve came down I'm, I'm, What? And he's just like in, in the doorway of the tent Here Captain America And I wish that this played out More like Steve saying Well now you're either going to have to be with me Or you're going to have to be killed Because I can't let anybody know this But what he basically says is Oh you little rascal And this is exact Oh you little rascal I ought to tan your hide I guess you got me dead to rights. I am Captain America. And then Bucky goes, gosh, gee whiz, golly. I never thought. And then Steve says, well, this is what you're going to think. From now on, we must both share the secret. That means you're my partner, Bucky. And just the idea in your head at this beginning, it's like, all right, you know, you young, young kid. This means that because you know I'm Captain America, Pretty much you're going to go to war, you're going to end up fighting, you're going to die. That's what you're going to do because, hey, you know I'm Captain America. We're partners now. But Bucky loves it. Bucky's all excited. Again, later on, you'll even change up. Even the brewbaker Bucky with the Winter Soldier stuff shows that Bucky could hold his own. I mean, he wasn't just this crazy little golly gee whiz mascot. He was more than that. But at this point, you're getting, you know, the whole deal. You're getting the hero. With this sidekick, you're getting a little Batman and Robin action going on. And then it says, so Bucky's dream is fulfilled as he fights side by side with Captain America against the vicious elements who seek to overthrow the U.S. government. So as we continue on until the U.S. actually does go to war, you do have Captain America and Bucky solving mysteries. I mean, some things that they really have to, you know, kind of go out of their way to jump through hoops to make it connected to the army. And to national security But they still do a lot of cool things And I I love actually the golden age stuff Just because of how wholesome and golly gee it is While also allowing horrific deaths And our heroes pretty much to kill anybody they want to As long as they can quip afterwards that the guy deserved it That really seems to be all it is It all comes down to the murderer saying Well That guy got what he deserved. And then call off the investigation. There's no murder here. The guy deserved it. Let's go. So I do like that that combo. Like I said, I like that combo of wholesome golly gee whiz stuff combined with the horrific murders and everything else before we get that comics code stuff especially. So with that, that is the end. I hope you enjoy me going through this. It's a real quick story. And this first 
Captain America comics. It has a bunch of other stories in it, including you'll even have the, the Red Skull, but not the Red Skull that we are used to. It's not Schmidt, but it's, it gets all tangled up. Later on, they really try to retcon a lot of these things to make them work and make them work in what you end up having modern comics and things like that. But it's always fun to go back to these things. So I hope everybody enjoyed that. I hope that you go on if you have the Marvel Unlimited and go through this and giggle at Agent at 13 there where she has the gnarled hands, right? I like that. X13, gnarled hands. You know, not a hand model, but a beautiful woman, they say. Uh, and check that out. And if you do like this and you're listening to it on somewhere, you can subscribe, rate, and review. That'd be awesome if you could do that. Also, go over to our Twitter at WS Marvel Comics and then go over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science to help support this stuff that we do on this feed and get a ton of other shows as well we do a a lot of shows it's usually an exclusive patreon show a day at least and a lot of them are similar to this with me and other co-hosts and things like that so check all that out that'd be awesome thanks everybody and i will talk to you next week 